This is Life Admin Life Hacks, a podcast that gives you techniques, tips, and tools to tackle your life admin more efficiently, to save your time, your money, and improve your household harmony. I'm Dinara Roberts, a former corporate commercial executive who knows all too well how burnout can creep up on you. I'm Mia Northrop, a researcher and writer who had flashbacks during this interview of sending out a client website design update from a hospital bed while attached to a pain relief drip. This episode, we interview Tina Patterson, remote working and productivity expert. Hello, and welcome to Life Admin Life Hacks. Before we leap into this week's topic, we'd like to remind you to subscribe to the monthly Momentum newsletter, which will nudge you about seasonal life admin tasks and practical resources to add to your toolkit. Head to lifeadminlifehacks.com to sign up. And while you're there, opt in to be notified when our book, Life Admin Hacks, is available. It's coming out in January 2022, and you'll be the first to be emailed about when you can get your hands on it. So, to burnout. Burnout is a state of emotional, physical, and mental exhaustion caused by excessive and prolonged stress. It shows up as having no energy or enthusiasm and falling productivity due to working too hard. And unsurprisingly, burnout is on the rise due to the pandemic. Whether you're working in the front lines in healthcare, experiencing a sudden surge or prolonged drop in demand in your line of work, juggling home learning and working from home, reeling from the lack of the usual support services, the solitude and the social connection, it's fair to say we've all been under considerable stress in the last 18 months. For some, the tipping point into burnout is imminent and we wanted to explore how to get some of the load off your plate. Yeah, well, I think burnout's really part of the reason why Mia and I started this whole life admin journey. So, but we really wanted to chat to someone else to talk about their experience. So in this episode, we interviewed Tina Patterson, who's come out the other side of burnout too. And we chat to her about how people often abandon their self-care right at the time they need it the most, how it's common to get out of touch with what's actually fun for you and how she put her kids in control of a family budget for a month to give them a great lesson in the value of money. If you want to avoid ultimate exhaustion, listen up. This one's for you. Tina Patterson has worked across nine industries and 12 countries over the past 20 years. She's led large departments, governed billions of dollars of assets, and her teams have delivered transformation programs and projects worth hundreds of millions of dollars. She's achieved all this while raising two kids with her husband, running marathons, raising a million dollars for charity, and taking three months sabbaticals every five years with her family. I love that. We need to talk about that. Following her own story of burnout, where she ended up in the local emergency department due to being at work with pneumonia, she now partners with large organisations across six continents, like Amazon, GE and Sky, to name a few, to help their leaders embed the strategies she's learned lives and breathes. Welcome to the show, Tina. Thank you so much. Very happy to be here. Let's kick off today's interview with thinking about life admin and what's important for you. So is it peace of mind, saving money, saving time or household harmony? Thank you. Well, they're all important is what I'd say, but household harmony is the one that really resonates with me as the most important. And the reason I think this is because if I think about the others, so for example, saving money, how I approach that is I really do think of it like a business transaction. And what I mean by that is I think about the different tasks that I want to do. So whether it be doing some cooking, cleaning, gardening, whatever it might be. 
And then I think through, well, how much do I make an hour? And where possible, I really do try and employ that thinking of if I earn more than that amount to pay for it per hour, where possible, I do try and outsource. Uh, And then when I think about the saving time, for me, once I'm clear on what needs to be done, often people stop there and just think what actually needs to be done. Okay, I'll just get on and do it. My approach is a bit different because the next question I follow up with is who makes sense to do it? So Mm. I'm one of these believers in life that I'm not a martyr. I don't have to do everything. And so thinking about who can do it, whether that's my husband, kids, my PA, whoever else it might be, is a really great way for me to think about the saving time. And then when I think about when there is household harmony, I get peace of mind. So I think it's a two for one that, you know, why I I think for me, when it's a calm and happy household, life is just so much better. Absolutely. I think there's a beautiful link there between thinking about what concerns you, what worries you, and if it is things that are to do with people in your household that, yeah, if you solve that, you are going to give yourself that peace of mind. Now, look, you talk openly about how it took to just coming to burnout for you to rethink the way you approached work and that work-life juggle. Yes. And at the moment we're living in, I'll use the overused term, the unprecedented times that we're in. Yes. (laughs) Everyone we've talked to is in lockdown this week and more people than ever at risk of burning out. Can we start by explaining what burnout is and its symptoms? Yeah, sure. Well, perhaps to explain what it is, I'll share with you my story of what I went through because it was something that happened gradually over time. And then when it came, I felt like I'd been hit like by a bus that when it came, it really was there. So for me, my story actually goes back about seven years ago. So I was working in corporate in Australia. I had a large senior role uh, and I really did love my job. At the time, my kids were six and four years old and I'm happily married. My husband, James and I, we co-parent together and you know we really are equal partners in the parenting we do with our kids. And at the time, I felt like on the whole, I had my act together. That juggle was doable. But then it took one thing to tip it over the edge. And what it was for me was a wonderful opportunity came up. So the CEO where I was working asked me to take on an additional project. And that was on top of my day job. And I was so excited. I wanted to do it. I wanted to learn from him. And so I started working on this special project as well on top of my day job. But what started happening over the weeks was that bad habits just started creeping in. Little things such as where I would typically run three times a week. It would get to the stage where I'd go, well, I could go for a run now or I could just try and get through my inbox a little bit more. Okay, I'll choose the inbox. And so I'd skip going for a run or I'd skip my Monday night yoga this sort of thing just kept happening. So at night I'd put the kids or James and I would put the kids to bed and then I would open up my work laptop again and it would get to about 10 or 10.30 at night and I'd think, okay, I know I probably should go to sleep, but I'll just keep working a little bit longer. So I'd sacrifice sleep for getting more work done. And this happened over quite a few weeks of me doing this. So having less sleep, not exercising. With that came often thinking, what on earth are we going to have for dinner? Okay, we'll just grab whatever's the quickest thing. It wasn't necessarily the healthiest thing. My stress levels were quite high as well. And it got to one weekend where I knew that I had been pushing through. 
and I'm a pretty mm. resilient person. And so my whole view was, I'll just keep pushing. I'll just keep sucking it up and push forward. And on the Sunday night, I opened my work laptop and my thinking was, I'll look and see what day I can take a sick day this week. I'll have one day in bed, then I'll get better and then I'll be back to work. But all I could see were important meetings. So I literally just turned up to work the next morning, even though I knew I wasn't well. By the Wednesday, I had this cough. I sounded like this barking dog, but I thought, you know what, suck it up everyone's in a similar situation just keep working and push through mm. and it got to the Friday and I was sitting in a meeting and my boss my wonderful boss said to me look Tina are you actually okay and it took that question for me to sit there and just take a deep breath and say to him no I'm not I've got to go right now and I packed up my things and I took myself straight to my local doctor and within about five minutes, he sent me to the emergency department and I was diagnosed with pneumonia. So I'd actually been at work trying to push through, trying to work with pneumonia. And I remember when James, my husband, got to my bedside uh, and him saying to me, look, Tina, no job is ever worth you lying here in the emergency department. And I knew he was right, but I just at that time didn't know, well, how can I do things differently? Because when I did get better, and it did take me a good month to recover um, from pneumonia, when I got better, I started reading up on, okay, well, how do you have a career? Because as I said, I really did love my job. How do you have a great career? How do you look after your family? How do you look after yourself? How do you actually do all of that? And this was seven years ago. And back then, every article said the same thing. They said, you've got to fit your own oxygen mask first, meaning you've got to look after yourself so you can look after your team, your family, whoever it is that's important in your life. And I thought, yeah, I get that. That makes sense. But every single article fell short of telling me how to do it. And so I love what both of you do in terms of thinking through what are the hacks of how to actually manage this work-life integration, balance, juggle, whatever you want to call it. And so for me, similarly thinking through and particularly on the work side, how can you work smarter and not harder? And so it was that burnout that made me realise, okay, I need to do things differently. And I think, you know, you mentioned that a lot of people are in lockdown that's unprecedented times right now. And I completely agree. And for many people, it, it's as though they're doing quite a few different jobs at the same time. It's not just whatever their day job is, but also whether it be parenting, for a lot of people, remote learning on top of that. And it is a lot to ask. And so, yeah, a lot of my clients, burnout is a key topic that we discuss right now to make sure that people know that actually that advice that I got of fitting your own oxygen mask first is really relevant and is the thing that, um, you know, can help you to get through when you do have these kind of challenging times. Mm. Thank you for sharing that with us. It's always interesting to hear how gradual these things can be. It's not something that happens overnight. It's sort of these creeping, yeah. as you described it, these you kind of start abandoning some of the habits that are really the scaffolds that are supporting your well-being. But in times of stress, you kind of throw them away. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of micro decisions. You're right. It's it's not one grandiose thing that means that you then burn out. For me, it was lots of little micro decisions that I made along the way. 
do I get an hour's sleep here or do I work? Do I order some junk food or do we work out something healthy to eat? Do I go for a run or do yoga? Do I not? It was all those micro decisions and those micro habits or not doing some of them that built up over time to lead to then, you know, the dramatic me ending up in emergency department situation. Mm. And you mentioned that, you know, you have with your husband, James, you have this equal partnership where you're sharing things. But was there, you know, in terms of your mental load or you mentioned that also that you don't have that sort of martyr complex about a need to do everything, was there something around the way that you're managing life admin that you think contributed to the burnout too? Yeah, oh, absolutely. You you mentioned the mental load and I absolutely believe that that is real and something that absolutely I was thinking through at the time. So when I would sit in a meeting, I'd be there going, oh, my daughter has got Sally's birthday party on the weekend. What's the present? You know, something so, so small, but absolutely I'd be thinking through what is it? Okay, when am I going to go out and buy Sally's birthday present so that my daughter Eliza has it to take to the party? All that sort of stuff running through the mind. Yeah, it does take its toll. So for me, since then, working out, well, what are the practical things to try and lessen that load? So for example, on the birthday present one, I now have a present cupboard. So some people love choosing the perfect present for each person to give. I actually flip it and and do something different, which is by the age of, of what my kids are. So my kids are 13 and 11 now. I have one boy, one girl and go through in general, what's a great present for an 11 year old girl and a 13 year old boy. Okay. I'll buy two or three of whatever it is, have it in the present cupboard so that when they do need to give the gifts, I don't have that mental load thinking through, okay, I've got to go out specifically and get a present. Even things like that to try and lessen the load have been really, really useful. And I think it's really useful to think about what's important to you. So if we talk about gifts, you know, Mia's like really the person who likes to buy the perfect (laughs) gift for everybody and wrap it beautifully. And that's, you know, really important to her. But I think I probably fall into the (laughs) Tina camp in terms of as long as there is a gift and no one feels embarrassed that there wasn't a gift Um, and I guess increasingly for me I make the kids buy the gifts for their own friends and give them a budget and say hey they're your friends you figure it out yeah absolutely (laughs) in my defense when it comes to like eight-year-old boys I'm not so worried about (laughs) Doug and plenty of Lego bought bulk Beautiful. Okay. Lego's been in the present cupboard a lot. But I I think the thing that I realised with the mental load was often it was around decision-making, just having to make so many decisions. And I remember one night during this time coming home, and as I said, my role was pretty big at the time, and so I'd be making a lot of decisions throughout the workday at work of signing off things, approving things, debating things. And I remember one night getting home and I said to James, look, I I am really exhausted. And this is as I was on that slippery slope downhill towards um, my actual burnout. And I remember him saying, oh, look, I'm happy to make dinner. What would you like for dinner? And I said, "Uh -uh, I've made too many decisions today. I'm happy to make the dinner. I just cannot make another decision today. I've made too many decisions. So for me with the mental load, 
where possible, trying to take decision-making out of the things that aren't important to me is really important. So whether that be what I wear and just kind of literally going, what's on the left-hand side of the wardrobe, that's it today, and working through or what to have for dinner and circling through quite a few different dinner recipes, all of those things I think really do help to to reduce that mental load. Yeah, all excellent things for people to be gravitating towards now sort of deciding do I need this much variety in what I'm wearing or what I'm eating or we just yeah. like just as you said cycle through the favorites or just move from one side to the cupboard to the x and the other thing around decision making and Dana and I actually explored this in our book that's coming out next year is having the criteria to make a decision and so when you're thinking about oh my electricity plan is out of contract and I need to pick a new provider or I need to look at plans and not actually knowing what the decision-making criteria should be and certainly that's a blocker that's something that sits in your to-do list for four weeks because you don't even know how to make the decision so it can be useful to grab resources that are going to simplify that for you so that you understand okay these are my decision-making criteria now it's a 20-minute exercise not a massive production where I have to research the internet oh completely My, my view on that one the other hack that I do is I have some friends who love to analyse every single energy deal out there or whatever it might be. I've no interest in doing that, but I love that they do it. And so I know which of my friends to call to say, hey, I gather you've probably done the research. I remember even with our car doing that to think through who also has got two kids, so they're going to be in a similar family situation, so it needs to be a family car, to call them to say, which car did you end up going with and why? And from that, very quickly got to, this is the car we want to um, get because our family is similar to those couple of families and that would work for us. So, yeah, working out your friends who love doing the analysis and the research is also a really good way to do it. And letting go of that idea of finding like the ultimate deal and just thinking yeah, absolutely. anything that I get that it's better what I have now will be fine yep completely awesome um, I think you've already talked a little bit about it but you are considered to be a global expert in becoming unbusy so how do you apply those unbusy principles you train professionals in to your approach to life admin yeah it's a great question and I'm sure you hear like I do people using the word busy like it's a badge of honor where you say how are you and they say oh I'm busy I'm busy And I really encourage people to think that that might not be the best term because busy doesn't necessarily mean progress or outcomes. We can be doing a lot of activity, but it doesn't necessarily mean it it leads to what you want. So one of the best ways that I worked out, once I got better um, and went through, okay, well, how do I actually look after myself, get my work done and to become unbusy. One of the key things I did, I'm a bit of a data nerd, so I love analysing stuff. And I remember someone saying to me how we all have the same 24 hours in in a day and we all have the same seven days in a week. So if you do the maths, we all have 168 hours in our week. When I heard that the first time, I thought, oh, it does not feel like I've got 168 hours in my week. You know, I'm just, (laughs) I'm too busy. I don't have time. And so to really pause and reflect and go, well, where am I spending my time is a great 
thing to go through. And so what I teach with my clients when we do this exercise, and it's quite detailed what we go into, but everyone's situation is different. So what you might consider to be wasted hours might be something that I absolutely love doing. So for example, at the end of a workday, after the kids are in bed, if you love sitting for an hour just watching Netflix on the couch, it helps you relax fantastic. It's up to you to consider, well, if I'm doing it for five hours, is that really what I want to be doing? Or is there a better use of those hours? So to really consciously think through for whatever it is that's important for you, be it spending time with family or going for a run or reading a book, to think through, well, doing those things isn't necessarily additive, but to work out where are the wasted hours based on your own definition and swapping them, to be able to swap them for the things that make you feel a bit better about yourself. And so that's one of the key things. But the other one I I mentioned earlier about how I'd read that fitting your own oxygen mask was really important, but I really didn't know how to do it back at that stage. And there's a wonderful concept by a man called Dr. Bill Mitchell, which I love, where he talks about working out what your non-negotiables are. And these are the things outside of work that give you energy, that give you joy, that just make you happy. And I think particularly in the circumstances that we're in right now, of working out those things that can give you that happiness, joy and energy to do everything else that's going on in your life is a really powerful concept. So for me, it was realising that running is my non-negotiable. And I mentioned to you how when I was in that big job and taking on that additional project with the CEO, it was one of the first things that I let go, that I let Mm. other meetings take priority over it. And now I realise actually those three hours out of my 168 in my week of going for the run are actually probably the most important three hours in my week because they give me the energy to do everything else. So it's about thinking about what you can swap out based on whatever is more important to you in your life. You raised two really good points there around knowing yourself and really taking the time to ask yourself some questions around what does nurture me and how do I have fun? I I think especially for women, they spend so much time working and looking after other people, they have to actually sit and consciously think, what do I like doing? What am I missing? What do I, what is actually going to be fun for me right now? What can I do? And even to find the time to have the headspace to have that conversation with yourself can be a challenge. So, you know, it might be on your next walk or run. Take that time to think about, okay, what do I like? What are my sources of fun going to be? So that you can make intentional choices about what your time is. You also need to be in touch with your values about, okay, is the Netflix five hours how I want to be spending my time or am I more about having a sense of, balance or creativity if creativity is important to me as a value that could be time when I could be playing music or writing or whatever your little creative pursuit might be yeah it's interesting you say that because it has happened several times so I often do group coaching so it's usually about eight to ten people at a time senior leaders in organizations so it's usually a leadership team and it happens quite often that when we have this conversation and dare I say it is often the women who say it of going I don't know what brings me joy anymore. I have not thought about doing something for me for so long. Just that first question of what brings you joy, I don't know at the moment what to answer. 
to that because I'm giving myself, be it at work, to my family, to my friends, everyone else gets the best of me and there's not much left for me to think about. So for some people, that's the most important part, just working out what it is. And so we brainstorm together and go through, okay, what could those things be? Because it's not all about something as vigorous as running it it could be you know what I just love curling up with a great book or calling my sister just makes me happy feeling connected it doesn't have to be some huge uh, physical activity but yeah the number of people who it takes them a bit of time to work out what it is and as I said it is usually the women who um, find it a bit hard to think through at, at the start. And I do think it's kind of interesting. I don't know if you, you know, the Laura Vanderkam, she's obviously the 168-hour lady who loves to talk about the 168 hours. But if you have ever done this sort of exactly detailed time tracking, I think that the really fascinating thing is about the people who say they're super busy. Often when you do dig down, they're often the people who have watched all sorts of Netflix series and you know I think it's very easy to become particularly at the moment to spend time doing things you don't actually even enjoy because they're easy you know because they're there and about making sure that you set up your environment to make the things that you enjoy easy rather than the things that are just easy easy if that makes sense yeah Absolutely. The default. They're just yeah. defaults, aren't they? Getting out the Facebook Absolutely. or flopping on the couch and you have to be have a circuit breaker to think, no, 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 I wasn't going to do that. I was going to knit. And so you put the knitting somewhere obvious in, so you can, yeah, it's front of mind. Completely. Well, there are two key areas that come up pretty much in every coaching session where I do this. So keep in mind that I work with senior leaders in corporate. Meetings is the first one where they say there are just wasted hours where I'm sitting in a meeting that, you know what, it's not a great use of my time. So that's the first one. The second one is social media, where they say, I went onto Instagram for five minutes and three hours later, I'm still on there. To, to the point of when people do feel overwhelmed, they don't have time, it's there. It's just pressing pause to be able to go, hang on a second, where for me, based on what matters to me, are there those wasted hours? So you mentioned earlier that you co-parent with your husband and you have a very equal partnership. And I know lots of listeners' ears will have pricked up when you said that. (laughs) How do you share? How does this happen? What's your system? How does it work? Yeah, so as well as co-parenting, very much also about getting the kids involved. So it's not just James and me, and I'm sure we'll cover that off, getting the kids involved as well. One of the key things, and I think about this because it's important in work as well, when I work with corporates as well, of Thinking through who owns what, we, every couple of months, all four of us will have a kind of family meeting as such and we'll sit down and go through what is all the stuff that needs to happen for the Patterson household to run. So, you know, this is all sorts of things from who empties the dishwasher to the vacuuming to the shopping to paying bills, etc. And so we have all of them listed out and then just go through and say, well, who makes sense to do what and so with the kids they kind of rotate between each other because there are some chores that they like doing more some they like doing less and so you know they switch it up a little bit but having that end-to-end accountability of something 
it, that works for us. So how it practically shows up is uh, I couldn't tell you what night bin night is. I literally do not know because James does it. I pay all the bills. He would have no idea, you know, what that looks like. And just having that really clear, I think, helps. And then the other thing with that is we don't tell each other how to do the job that's been assigned. So even if there are some of those jobs where I go, ooh, I would not have done it that way, <laughs> it, it's just going, okay, bite your tongue. It's being done in some form. That generally works for us to have that conversation. And then the other thing, and maybe this is just from personal circumstances, but James saw me when I had pneumonia. And we were absolutely co-parenting at the time, but just to really understand that if one of us has got too much on, the whole family go, ends up going down. It's not just that one person. And so I think that's helped us to be really mindful of spreading the load between the four of us where possible. I'd love to dig a bit more into the kids' side of <laughs> of delegating <laughs> yeah. life admin. And I know, Tina, that when we chatted earlier, you talked to me a bit about the Eddie Wu show, Teenage Boss, which inspired yes. me to go off and watch some episodes. Oh, so maybe you could tell our listeners about that and I guess any other hacks to get your kids to pick up yeah. more of the load. Yeah, sure. So this one that I'll share with you will horrify some of you. I will put that out there <laughs> before I get into it. There is a wonderful show on ABC called Teenage Boss and a wonderful maths teacher, Eddie Wu, runs it. And the premise is that a lot of teenagers in particular think that money grows on trees. So instead of them just going to the bank of mum or dad, for them to really understand the value of money and, as I said, that doesn't come on trees. So what the show goes through is that the teenager is in charge of the family budget for a whole month. And so whatever that family's usual household budget is, that's the amount that they're told. You've got this amount for the whole month and it covers everything. And so they then do a detailed budget and what the um, carrot is for them is whatever amount they come in under budget, they get to keep. So you've got all these kids going, fantastic, I'm going to buy this and that, thinking they're going to be absolutely rich. And then invariably one parent will have a flat tyre and they'll need to buy a tyre or the shower door won't work and it needs to be fixed. All sorts of things come up and so the children learn about how they budget. So we actually have done this for the last couple of years with our kids and so they started pretty young doing it and our approach is that Whatever money's left over, a third of it you can keep and spend how you like, a third of it you give to the charity of your choice, and a third that you save. And it's really helped them to understand the value of money, but also with that, they were the ones actually going to do the shopping. So it's a bit terrifying uh, the first time you do it where, you know, you've got my son going through Cole's supermarket with a trolley and I was um, outside of the checkout sitting on the bench there waiting with my credit card to pay for whatever he had put in. So we had to have the conversation of, okay, you don't just go to the chips and lolly aisle and shove it in. <laughs> and then as he came back, there were a couple of things I said, hey, you probably want to think about things such as laundry detergent and dishwashing powder and, and, and shampoo and things that weren't on his radar the first time he did it. It really helped because I remember both times, the first time the kids did it, they said, gee, everything's expensive. <laughs> but that has been one of the best things that we've done. As I said, a bit scary to do the first time, but the lessons they learn are amazing. 
it's a great show. My kids have watched it and we watched it with fascination. Yep. <laughs> and there there has been some funny incidents with yeah, what gets chucked in the trolley, lots of noodles yeah. and chips and and stuff. But also what's interesting about that is that they have to negotiate with their family members about, you know, what the other family members consider non-negotiables in terms of the kind of food they want to eat or the fact that they do have an expense coming up in a week that needs to be accounted for and and watching the kids and the show kind of juggle thinking oh okay oh, I've got a mum needs money for that so this means that I can't you know do what I what I was expecting I love the fact that you've actually tried this with your own kids yeah how old were they when they when they did it so we started when they were relatively young as I said Angus was 10 and Eliza was eight. Oh my god that's amazing age Eliza was ruthless so she was there going I don't want you to spend a thing because all she she had her eyes on the prize of you know I see how much money I'm going to get at the end. <laughs> so we in with that we had to have the conversation of it's also important to be generous mm. and it's not just about penny pinching the whole time so you know do let your brother go and go to the movies and yeah. that sort of thing and so it it helped on both sides, not only on the saving, but also that having that generous spirit yeah. as well. Wow. I'm feeling inspired. I'm sitting here thinking, oh, <laughs> ready. I mean, they know the show. They know the premise. Yeah, so on that, there's a great app. So in the lead up, there's a great app called Money Brilliant that we used. And so we had all the different bank accounts and credit cards, all sorts of stuff linking to really understand what our baseline was. So to really understand, well, how much do we on a regular basis spend on our car? So to be able to give them something to benchmark against of what we've done the previous few months, we did that for I think it was two or three months in the lead up before we actually did it the first time. And that was time and Ooh, effort well spent. Oh. Okay. What I'm curious about to finish up is what's one life admin hack that you wish someone had told you earlier? Yeah, sure. I'm going to link it back to what we started with, where we we're talking about household harmony. One of the things that I think can either be a wonderful situation or it can be exhausting is family dinner time. And so it's a really simple one and it's really effective. So the hack is I, and I, I was inspired to think about this after reading John McGrath's book, You Inc., You Incorporated, where he talks about how often when you think about the foods that you eat, often the things that you really like aren't necessarily good for you. But there are often foods that you do like the taste of that are healthy. So think about what those ones are, what the hack is in our family, and it's up on our fridge. We have a list of all the main fruits and vegetables that you'd normally get in a supermarket. And the kids got one cross, one veto to say, I do not like this particular fruit and this particular vegetable. And then for the rest of them, we have a tick system of three ticks is I love it. Literally, I'd have it for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Two is, yeah, it's pretty good. And then one is, look, I don't like it, but I'll tolerate it if I have to. And having that and empowering the kids to go, I don't want to eat mushrooms. <laughs> It's fantastic. And then to go, they both really love peas. Okay, peas are going to be in our family dinners a lot more. And so going by what the likes are as well as what's good for you and focusing more on that, but also empowering them to have one that they go, nope, I'm not eating it. That has just made family dinner time so much more enjoyable. <laughs> 
I love it. Great advice. Uh, you know, anything that can also make meal planning, you know, easier in terms of constraining or, you know, narrowing yeah. your focus makes uh, thinking what to eat, which, you know, can consume so much time. So uh, a great advice. Well, Tina, thanks so much for sharing your experience and your ideas with us today. It was such a pleasure. Where can our listeners find you if they want to hear more about what you're doing? Yeah, sure. So LinkedIn is the main area where you can find me. So if you just look up Tina Patterson, Patterson is with one T. So just <laughs> worth you knowing that. Feel free to follow me on there. I share lots of practical stuff, particularly for people in senior leadership positions in corporate that can make you help you to be able to get your work done effectively and to look after yourself. Similarly, I also have a book coming out uh, in a couple of months. So if you follow me, on LinkedIn, you can find out all the details there. Oh, exciting. Oh, what's it called? Yeah, so Remote Team Secrets. It's for, my view is very, very much that we're not going back to the office how it used to be pre-pandemic. And the smart companies are the ones who realise and the data overwhelmingly supports that employees want flexibility and they want the option of in the office sometimes, working from home sometimes. And so, my view very much is that's the new normal, but it, you need to lead a little bit differently when you don't have your team in front of you the whole time. So it's everything that I've learned of how I've led my teams over the past 20 years of how can you successfully do that. Thanks for listening. Show notes for this episode are available at lifeadminlifehacks.com. And if you're a fan, please subscribe and share the love and tell a friend or review us in your podcasting app. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn.